chapter 5, beginning of verse 14. The Bible says this, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. If any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. May God bless his word. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. We just pray for your blessing tonight as we worship you, as we preach the word and expound the scriptures. Help me, Father, to be true to your word. Help me to be true uh, to the leading of the Holy Spirit uh, who wrote your word, who guided the men of old, so that what they wrote was your communication. And now, Father, we pray for the Spirit's assistance in understanding what was written and what was intended, and then help us to make the application to our lives tonight. We thank you for the privilege of being able to follow you, and we pray that again you would bless tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. And you may be seated. Please take your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. In our Bible study hour this morning, we talked about approaching the Bible from a presuppositional, from a belief that God has spoken through His Word. And uh, David said, therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. The Bible is God's revelation to man. And uh, I'm so grateful. There's a passage where Peter, uh, in his epistle, wrote about some of Paul's writings. And he said, of some things are hard to be understood. And there are some difficult passages in Scripture. Uh, There's no, no shame in acknowledging that there's some difficult passages of Scripture. Uh, in fact, it's very important that we follow certain uh, rules of interpretation. It's called hermeneutics in, in, in Bible study, but uh, it's important that we follow certain rules of interpretation because we have the entire New Testament quoting much of the Old Testament, and we can learn so much just... Every time Paul or Peter or John will quote from the Old Testament, uh, we learn uh, how do they interpret it? How did he, you know, when he's quoting this passage from the Old Testament, how did he do it? And so we learn certain things like that. But tonight we come to a text that is definitely a difficult passage of Scripture uh, because of what is not necessarily given. Uh, we, We look at certain things and we, we think, wow, I, I wish that John had articulated more, you know, what he was talking about. And uh, originally my plan was to do uh, three verses tonight, verses 16 through 18. Uh, but the more I've been into it and going over it and over it, I realize that we're only going to 
you know, we're going to focus tonight on just verse 16 and 17. Those, those are the meaty, difficult passages. But um, please understand that verse 18, and we'll probably pick up with this next week, is part of the context and needs to be considered, uh, but we probably will not have time for that. We, there's enough to go over in verse 16 and 17. So let me read this. And maybe as I read it, you'll hear it and you'll go, oh, that's, that's easy. Oh, I understand that. No problem. What's the big deal? Uh, then in that case, you come up and preach it, okay? And uh, then, then we'll, I'll come down and I'll sit. First John five sixteen. John says, If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not unto death. And that's, that's it. So let's jump in. In fact, let's pray again. Pray for our time in the Word. Father, help me. Uh, help us to understand this whole idea of a sin unto death. The sin unto death. Uh, Lord, help us as we step back and make sense and, and try to look at the context. Help us to understand the seriousness of sin and help us to understand and and the main challenge, Father, that we would pray for one another. And we ask your blessing tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So a lot of people, when they come to verse 16 and 17, I think the tendency is to just take these two verses on their own. Uh, And you can do that with a lot of Scripture. Uh, Some Scripture uh, will, you know, Paul or one of the writers will conclude one portion and then move into another. In many of Paul's epistles, it's, it's somewhat easy at times to see when he does that. Uh, and please keep in mind that when the writers of the New Testament were writing these letters, uh, Paul did not start out chapter 1, chapter 2. Chapter, they came way, way later. Uh, he did not write them down in verses. These were just letters, a continual flow. And the punctuation that we have today uh, was not something they had. Uh, in fact, if you read the earlier manuscripts, it's just it looks like massive run-on sentences, uh, which I'm comfortable with run-on sentences. I'm very good at writing run-on sentences. Uh, but you know, to be able to make sense of it is a challenge, and to understand when one thought ends and another begins. And so, a lot of times, people will look at First John chapter five, verses sixteen and seventeen, and they'll just take it on its own. And, um, you know, that, that, okay, Paul is, there's an abrupt change, and now Paul is going to talk about this. But I'm convinced when you give further consideration that verse 16 and 17 are actually connected to verse 14 and 15. So let's back up and look at that and see what he's saying. Verse 14 and 15, last week, confidence in prayer. John said, this is the confidence that we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. So John is talking about prayer. But he doesn't end it at verse 15. He's continuing in verse 16. He's still talking about prayer. In fact, 
Notice what he's talking about, the context. He's talking about God answering prayer. God answers prayer. And he encourages us. Because we know that God hears us when we pray, therefore we have confidence in prayer. So he's talking first about prayers that God answers. And now he moves into there is prayer, a particular type of prayer, where God will not answer. And so we're still talking about prayer. Keep that in mind. When you look at verse 16 and 17, is that he is still talking about prayer. Again, now look at verse 16, and I'll break it up to you. Three points tonight we're going to look at just in these, actually two points, since I cut out that third verse 18. And it's simply, we're going to let the text follow it. Verse 16, a sin not unto death. If any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. That's the second question. Or the second point is uh, the sin unto death. So there's a sin or sin that is not unto death, and there is sin that is unto death. What is he talking about? And by the way, if if you think, and, and I joke that when you first heard it, you've got it down pat and dry, because for centuries commentators have been divided big time about this. Men of God, theologians that have studied the text, that believe that God communicates through His Word, that interpret the Scriptures historically, grammatically, literally when it is uh, talking about that and proper to interpret it that way. Uh, And they still come up with some various things. So we're going to look at this tonight. Just these two things then. The sin not unto death, which is the first part of verse 16, and then the end of verse 16 into verse 17, the sin unto death so let's look again at verse 16 now remember we're talking about prayer we're talking about praying for one another and he says if any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death so what's the challenge here uh obviously it, it appears that John very well may be speaking about something specific that he and his readers knew about. Uh, because we don't, he does not give any examples. He just says, If any man see a brother sin, uh, sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. So what's he talking about? Well, first of all, we have to understand what is sin? And we have to understand the concept and what John has communicated uh, already. And I, John is obviously contrasting um, sins. And he's talking about that there is sin that is not unto death. And when we see someone that is sinning a sin that's not unto death, we pray for them. In other words, we need to pray for one another. And when you and I see sin in other believers, we need to pray for them. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, If a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We need to pray one for another. Sin is serious business. And so the challenge here is, we see brothers and sisters, we see people that we love, 
And we identify, you know, we see the, the moat that is in their eye, the sin that they're struggling with. If, if it's an obvious one, any man sees his brother's sin, a sin which is not unto death, we need to pray for them. And, and there's, there's some undertone that John is communicating that sin is so serious that when we dabble with it, we put ourselves in dangerous territory. Now, not, again, thinking of this morning, we're not talking about condemnation, uh, that we are going to be answered. We are, those of us that are born again are not going to pay for our sins. But it does affect our earthly walk on, the, on this earth, does it not? And so when we see a brother or sister that is sinning, we need to pray uh, for them. And we need to ask God to have mercy on them. And, and John says, if any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, so he prays for him, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. Do you take sin seriously in your life? Do you understand? And I don't mean other people's sins. One of the greatest dangers in the Christian walk is that other people's sin affects us. And therefore, because other people's failures morally, uh, other people's failures just when it comes to to doing the will of God, uh, it affects us. And I, I've met too many Christians, and I guess I've struggled with this too, if I'd be honest, is that our passion and our hatred towards sin in other people's lives can really be purely motivated by selfishness. You know what? This person is in my life. This person does this that affects me, and therefore... Sin is serious. And the tendency is, that's where the tendency is to see the, the moat that is in their eye, but you don't see the beam that's in your own eye. And there may, not, not there may, count on it. There are often glaring things that are in your life. That you, know that, you know when it comes to others, there are certain sins that are very glaring. Well, don't forget to turn that back on yourself. Because the same is true. So we, we must not take sin lightly. And that's where John is headed with this. We need to pray for one another regarding uh, how sin affects them, the sowing and reaping principle. It's a story that uh, a preacher, J. Wilbur Chapman, told of a distinguished minister named Dr. Howard from Australia who preached very strongly on the subject of sin. And after the church service, one of the church officers came uh, to counsel with him in the study, and he said this to, to, to the pastor. He said, Dr. Howard, we don't want you to talk as openly as you do about man's guilt and corruption. He said, because if our boys and girls hear you discussing that subject, they will, be more easily, they will more easily become sinners. Call it a mistake, if you will, but don't speak so plainly about sin. And the minister took a small bottle down from off his shelf. He showed it to the visitor, to the, to the church officer. He said, do you see the label on this bottle? It says strychnine. 
And underneath, in bold red letters, the word poison. He said, do you know what you are asking me, sir? You are suggesting that I change the label. Suppose I do. And I paste over it the words, essence of peppermint. He says, don't you see what might happen? Someone would use it not knowing the danger involved and would certainly die. And so it is too with the matter of, matter of sin. And listen to what he said. He said, the milder you make your label, the more dangerous you make your poison. Isn't that a good point? The milder you make your label, the more dangerous you make your poison. See, that man was doing a favor in... Preaching against sin. I, I read an email I shared with Jim this morning uh, from an evangelist, and the, 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 it was just a short note. He, his point was this when we don't mention hell when we're preaching the gospel, we, that is one of the most unloving things that we can do. And he had a very good point. If people are in danger, especially the lost, because they've not repented of their sins and they don't realize they're in trouble with God. If you and I do not mention judgment or don't seek to lead toward it, we are not being loving. And that is a point well taken. And now we move into this murky area, I would say, but again, you, you know, when you study the Scriptures, you come up with certain takes on it, and I, I'm going to share with you my take. Before I do, let's, in fact, let's move into it. First John Chapter 5, verse 16, the second part. For again, first he says, If any man see a brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. In other words, the idea is, if you, you and I see, but if we see someone sinning a sin that is unto death, uh, for us to pray would be futile Futile because it is a sin that is unto death. Now, all kinds of questions come in uh, that John does not identify that. And obviously, it's with purpose. You know, when God gives us His Word, He gives us everything we need, but He does not give us... In other words, John said the books that could be written of just what Jesus did, the world couldn't contain the books, all that Jesus did. God has communicated exactly what we need. He has revealed enough about Himself that we can know Him and have a relationship with Him and be knowledgeable. But He has not revealed everything about Himself. So He says, There is a sin unto death. Again, I do not say that He shall pray for it. He says, All unrighteousness is sin. There is a sin not unto death. So the big question now, Okay, there's a, there's a sin unto death, there's a sin not unto death. Let me, by the way, first um, communicate something about the Greek languages. There's uh, the use of the article or the non-use of the article uh, will often determine how it is translated, determine how it is translated. And in verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is a, there is a sin that, uh, that is not unto death. There is a sin unto death. There is a sin not unto death. By the way, the, the sin, there is a sin unto death is only three Greek words. There is no, no definite article there. A 
sin. Uh, it's not in the Greek. In fact, uh, Wycliffe, who was the first to, to bring us an English translation from the Latin, uh, he did not have the definite article. And then both Tyndale and the Geneva Bibles, which came along a little later around the same time, they also omit the indefinite article, rather. I'm talking about the word A. Um, though they insert it here, excuse me, Wycliffe, Tyndale, and, Gene- and the Geneva Bible omit the indefinite article here in verse 17, but they do insert it in the previous verse 16. So in other words, here's the idea. Are we talking about one specific sin? Or are we talking about just there's sin unto death? Now some people take it that there is a sin. In fact, there are, I have before you, in fact, I'm going to just omit this list. Because I have before you eight different possible interpretations historically that theologians have said, okay, this is what the sin unto death is. This is what the sin unto death is. And, and all of them, I think, can be easily explained, except I want to give you the two most prominent because of time's sake. The first take on what is the sin unto death, a lot of people believe he's referring to the unpardonable sin. Have you ever heard of that? Let's go to Matthew chapter 12 to look at the unpardonable sin. And then I'll tell you why I don't believe that's it. But, I, you know, the people, I'm not going to go, I could get mired down in all the the reasons for all eight of these, but the, especially several of them, they have some good arguments. And um, I've, mentioned, I've mentioned this one time, that in Bible school I had a teacher, a professor, that would always bring out the possible interpretations of a, of a particular text. And if, if there were like five possible interpretations, he would bring them out. And then he would always say, now it's up to you to decide what your take is going to be. And as a young, know-it-all, theological student, that irked me. because I And the King James translators talk about this in their preface too, about the, the idea of being dogmatic. They don't say to do it. I did it. Most people do it when you're young. And I, can, I remember condemning him. What kind of wishy-washy guy is going to come and say, well, maybe it's this and maybe it's that. And he gives all the different possible interpretations. And I was, I was looking for him to put his fist, fist down on a particular side every time. Dogmatic on everything. No give, no take. This is what it says. Take it or leave it. You know, and I, I don't know. I think every young Christian has that. Well, let me just speak for myself. I had that as a young Christian, you know, in in that. And so I had a real problem with that. And uh, I'm realizing more and more as I get older uh, that in in an example like this, I could be wrong. I don't think I am. And this is not one of the fundamental areas. I mean, uh, what how you interpret this specific verse. But let's. So what is first of all? Those who believe, he's talking about the unpardonable sin, the sin unto death. Let's look at Matthew. Uh, are you in there, Matthew chapter 12? And let's look at Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 31. And uh, it's important that you realize too, in verse 31, Jesus talks about this unpar- what we call the unpardonable sin. He doesn't use that phrase exactly. 
But in verse 31, he says, Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. And this has gone down in history as being called the unpardonable sin. And some people believe that that's what John was talking about. If anyone sees a, a, a brother sin a sin that's not unto death, pray for him. If you see someone sinning a sin that is unto death, then it's useless to pray. Remember, we're talking about answer prayer. And the idea is he's saying, you know, you can pray for him, but in fact, he doesn't forbid the praying. He's just saying that, you know, it's going to be futile because God's not going to answer that prayer. So what is the unpardonable sin? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now, the natural question then is, what if I did it? You know, I mean, it's pretty serious if you, if you say that everything can be forgiven, but there, there's a sin that can't be forgiven. Most people, you know, most people that have a tender conscience before God are immediately thinking, oh no, have I, have I blown it? Did I commit that? You know, we've all committed sin, right? Okay, good, I got everyone with me here. We've all committed sin, but what if I committed that unpardonable sin? And I'm going through life not even realizing it. And, and I've wrestled with this early on, but I want to share with you, it's important that you look at the context. I want to share with you what I believe the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. And you've got to understand the context of what Jesus was responding to. So let's back up to verse 22, Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 12, 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But, now we're going to find out here that the Pharisees did something. And this is what preceded these strong words of condemnation from Jesus Christ. But, Verse 24, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, and now he's responding to that very serious charge. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. And how then, uh, how shall this then, how, how shall then his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your ju judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. To understand what these people did is to understand what the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is. These men literally witnessed the mirror, Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit of God casting out de demons. And they attributed the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan himself. 
Now, I'm convinced that you today cannot do that because you have to be... These men were visible. They were right there where Jesus was. They literally saw Jesus do this miraculous, the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ casting out a devil, and seeing that and witnessing that. They attributed the work of the Holy Spirit that they visibly saw to the work of the devil. And I believe, I'm convinced, that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You do not need to fear. Uh, because Jesus Christ is not around now performing miracles. You and I do not need to fear that. And, and that is one of the reasons why I also believe that John is not talking about that. There's several other reasons. John says if, a, if, if you see a brother sin a sin unto death, and therefore there is that. So let's, now let's go back to 1 John. Um, in fact, those that, those that take that view... Um, you know, they'll quote Hebrews chapter 6. It's impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify themselves as the Son of God. Um, they also will quote other scriptures. But I want to give to you what I believe John is talking about, uh, and that is he's referring to a believer. Now again, again, the people that believe that it's the unpardonable sin have acknowledged that well, while John does mention if, if you see a brother, sometimes that term is used to just talk about the brotherhood of man, but, but mostly, folks, it's talking about fellow Christians. And this is not the sin unto death, I believe, is referring to physical death, not eternal death. And those that take that believe it's the unpardonable sin believe that the death that is being talked about is eternal death. But it's very clearly says there's a sin, the sin unto death. So let me read to you um, what John is referring to. That sin leading to death refers to a Christian sin that is so serious that God takes the life of the one committing it. And I do not believe from the text that he's referring to just, you know, there's one really big mother of all sins. In fact, that's one of the couple of the different takes on the sin unto death is that it is really bad sin like murder uh, that kind of thing that that would be the sin unto death some people it's it's take that when you break certain of the laws of Moses like murder and so forth that that's the sin unto death others take it as it's referring to the sins where the bible would talk about capital punishment when you've taken an innocent life that would be the sin unto death I don't believe any of this falls under that category. I believe very clearly, however, that there are times, and we're going to look at two examples before we close, there are times where God will, He takes sin so seriously that when a believer continues and persists in their sin, depending on what's going on and where their heart is and what God's dealing with, He will take someone's life. Not... They don't lose their salvation. Remember, if you're talking about a brother or sister in Christ, keep in mind, folks, sometimes when the Lord takes someone, um, remember what Paul said, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is what? Far better. But to, to remain here and be for, there for the people was more profitable, that God wanted him to stay. So 
again, there are times when a believer so persists in sin, and maybe it's one where God has been working on their heart for so long, that, and, and He knows their situation, that it would be the most loving thing to just bring them home to heaven. Let me give you an example. Turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. The story, not the story, the event of Ananias and Sapphira. And by the way, their, their main guilt was, as Peter would say, they lied to the Holy Spirit. And I do not believe that this severe punishment happens to every liar. Or this room would be empty. Including the preacher, right? Um, so look at Acts chapter 5, verse 1. A certain, a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Now, just to understand what's happening. You've got the, the, you know, the church has recently started. There's this great work of God. The, the Bible's being preached. People are getting saved. And there's this incredible spirit of generosity and self-sacrifice that people are just voluntarily selling their possessions and giving them to the needy because it's just this great work that's going on. And this couple named Ananias and Sapphira, they get caught up in that. And they sold a possession, verse 1, and they kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and bought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So now what was happening is people were selling entire properties and just put, giving it all to the apostles and saying, here, give it to people that need it. And, and that generosity is contagious. You ever notice that? You ever been inspired by someone that sacrificed and you heard the story and it motivated you to give? I mean, that's, that's a blessed thing. And that was going full bore. I mean, it was. And, and there was a certain amount of glory as people would sell their possessions and then give it to the apostles and, and say, here, you give this. And so here's Ananias and Sapphira, and they're looking at it, and they're getting inspired, and they come up with a scheme. Understand what the sin is here. They sold their property. Was that wrong? No. They gave some of the proceeds to the church. Was that wrong? No. They held some of it back. Was that wrong? No, not in and of itself. What was wrong? What was wrong was they held some of it back but made it look like they were giving everything. They kept back part of the price. Verse 2, his wife also being privy and bought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Now understand, this was not a communist takeover, you know, a socialist overthrow where, you know, the disciples were now bringing in a new order and it was, you know, forced, you give, you know, you give what you, everything and we will disperse. This was a totally voluntary thing that they did. And again, the sin was not that they kept back, back, they kept back part of it. The sin was that they lied about it. Verse 4. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? Yes. After it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Sure, it's your, it's your possession. 
Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Now this was an example. This was the early church. This foundational things were happening, and God was using Ananias and then his wife Sapphira as examples. And Ananias, after he was charged in verse four, you've not lied unto men; you lied to the Holy Ghost. By the way, notice the Holy Ghost is a person that can be lied to, not a force. It's a person. We'll get verse 5 now. This is powerful. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. He died. He dropped dead. And fear came upon all them that heard these words, these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the lamb for so much. So, you know, this is a test. Okay. Remember, they kept back part of it, but they told them that what they, when they gave the money, they said, this is all of it. We just, we're giving everything. Aren't we so wonderful? We gave everything. And that was the plan. And now Sapphira had an opportunity to come clean. Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the lamb for so much. And she said, yeah, that's what we sold it for. Yeah, that's it. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. And then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead, carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. So, here's now there's no reason not to believe these people weren't saved. They were born again. But, they committed a sin. Now, this is not saying that lying is the sin unto death. This was a situation where they were lying to the Holy Ghost. They were being made an example of, and they died prematurely because of their sin. That can happen. Turn to First Corinthians, what I believe is another example. First Corinthians, chapter eleven, beginning in verse twenty-eight. First Corinthians. Chapter eleven and verse twenty-eight. Paul is giving some instruction on the Lord's table. He says, Let a man examine himself, so let him eat that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And by the way, there was great, um, a, a really light attitude, a lack of respect. They were making uh, a party, as it were, out of the Lord's table. They were not taking it seriously. Now look at verse 30. For this cause... Many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Now, you remember what that is? Sleep goes back to John when Lazarus died. In fact, he even said when Lazarus died, or when he found out, when he and the disciples got word that Lazarus was sick, Jesus said, this is not a sickness unto death. Today, we're talking about sin unto death. By the way, Lazarus died. But Jesus knew he was going to revive him or resurrect him. But 
he said Lazarus is asleep when he found out when Lazarus died. And from that point, Paul picked up on that. And from that point on, we have the precious privilege to refer to our born-again loved ones who die as sleeping in Jesus. So what happened again? Because they took something that was very serious lately, the Bible says this caused many are weak among you, sickly among you, and many sleep. In other words, there were people that died prematurely because they weren't taking sin seriously. Sin. What is sin? Sin has been, uh, somebody wants to find sin as, uh, in this way. Misdeeds are sins of commission. And misdeeds are sins of omission. Isn't Isn't that neat? I like that. You know, there are sins of commission, the things we do, misdeeds. And then there are sins of omission. In other words, we sin when we don't do something we should do. Those are misdeeds. And and both of them are sin. Now, that's not to say that if we, you know, if we have communion and, and you come in and you take communion one Sunday in a cavalier way, that you're going to die. John specifically does not identify what the sin unto death is. He just lets us know there's a sin, there's a possibility that God would take believers prematurely. In a weird way, that can be a comfort. I had a friend in high school that um, th- uh, that uh, I knew, and, and in fact, when my wife and I were getting ready to get married, she was going to get married the same day that my wife and I were going to get married. She was the first person, first girl I knew uh, that was a born-again Christian. And I remember her taking me to her church one time for a Bible study. And that's probably the first time I heard the gospel. But my eyes were so blinded that it just went over my head. Um, It was only later when John started witnessing that God began to open my eyes. Uh, But I'm pretty sure that's where I first heard the gospel. And I remember talking to her uh, sometime a couple years or before when we both were planning to get married, me to my honey. And I remember her talking and it was so clear that she was not living for the Lord. And, uh, And it was sad. And then... I believe it was four months before our wedding and her wedding when uh, apparently she fell asleep in, in, in her apartment. She had candles lit. The candles caused a fire and she died. And I remember that's the first person I knew that I was close to that, that had died. And I remember we went to her funeral. And by the way, now I, I was newly saved. I think the only other funeral I had been to was Shelley Caputo's. But I'll never forget, in fact, maybe this was before that, but I'll never forget the hope. In fact, I remember, I remember I was pretty sure she was saved. And you know, there's some Christians, they profess Christianity, but you're just not sure. You know, they're not living for the Lord at the time. And I remember taking great comfort in God's goodness. And, and I know it's weird. I'm at a funeral. This person died. But I took comfort because my biggest torment was, did she even know the Lord? Is she in heaven or is she in hell? And in that context, I found great comfort in saying, you know what? 
that's our loving God, that if, if a child of his rebels and just plans on living for themselves, it would be a loving God that would just say, it's time to take you home. Sin is very serious, and there are sins that lead to death. Now, again, we're talking in the context here of a believer. So that can be good news if somebody stubbornly is a born-again child of God. Remember Hebrews chapter 12. No chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. So sometimes we look at like the judgment of somebody dying prematurely and say, that's horrible, that's clearly the wrath of God. But folks, sometimes that could be the most loving thing that is done. I think that's what John is talking about. Uh, but again, He's not real, I mean, he doesn't give a whole lot of insight. That, to me, is the most consistent with Scripture. Uh, and in that, I see the goodness of God. So we need to pray for one another. When you see someone go on the way of the world, they profess to know the Lord, we need to pray for them. And uh, again, only God knows different circumstances. And, and, you know, he's so loving and so merciful. Remember, he gives us space to repent. And oh, how gracious he is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, as we consider this challenge about prayer, that we would take sin seriously, that we would invest, that we would have interest in our brothers and sisters in Christ when we see them sin or when we are made aware of sin in their lives, knowing how serious sin is, and when they take it lightly, Lord, help us to pray for them. And I'm so grateful, Father, that in this text, uh, many times when we pray for those that sin, as other, our brothers and sisters in Christ, that that prayer uh, is heard and that prayer is effective. And Father, we're so grateful that you are in control and only you know uh, what is best and that sometimes, Father, it is best that you call people home prematurely, perhaps because of their rebellion. Lord, help us. Help us to pray for one another. Help us to care about one another. And help us to invest in praying for one another. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.